leadership. It's critical for optimum organizational effectiveness. If you don't have it, you won't have a business for long. Hey, it's your host here, Jamie J. And on this episode of the Jamie J Podcast, Mick and I share the specific strategies how you can go ahead and level up your leadership game in a great big way. Let's go ahead. Let's kick it off right now. I'm a man on It's, uh, it's great to be here. So some updates. We've got a new background. We wanted to change things up a little bit and really serve at a whole new level because what are we? We're leaders. We're leaders. We're paving the way. You know, I, I did a quick little um, I did a quick little uh, live this morning on my Instagram story and on my Facebook story and I really said, what's a leader? A leadership is balance. Now, to me, that's one of the areas I like to talk about in leadership, but we're going to get into it today, Mick. You love leadership. You've got a passion for it. You've got a real true desire behind it. Share with us what brought that out, what brings that forward, and, and why. Why do you have that passion behind leadership? Well, look, to be honest, it, it was probably inspired um, early on through sport. You see, you see those football coaches or those captains on the field that you just can't help but playing, your, playing out of your skin for. You just want to go that extra mile. And 10, 12 years ago, that got me thinking, like, what is it that drives that behavior? And then through the learning and study of, of leadership and behavior and culture and teams and all that kind of stuff, it, it has really ignited a passion inside of me that it's leadership. The behavior of leadership is is super critical if you want to be successful in business. You as the business owner, you've got to, you've got to be the leader. You are the leader, but you need to show leadership. Just because you are the business owner doesn't mean... You, you are put in a position of leadership. You need to display those leadership behaviors and inspire the team to want to play out of their skin for you as such. Uh, it, it's a it's a topic that's, a, you know, I'm really passionate about because I think it's critical as a business owner that you have that leadership ability. Otherwise, no one's going to want to follow you. You're the inspirational leader, the, the driving force behind the company. And if no one wants to follow you, then you'll go nowhere because success is a team sport. Yeah, yeah, simple yeah. truth. You know what? I, I, I love that perspective because as you were talking about that, one of the things that came up in my mind, it's a funny little question. You're going to ask, you're going to laugh when I ask it, but is there a difference between leadership and dictatorship? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> there is. Yeah. Absolutely, there is. A dictatorship, you're told what to do. And for a, for a while, you'll probably do it because we all have, a, most people have a moral compass where you want to do the right thing and it, We've all worked for a, a dictatorship before where you were told what to do and like a dictator. And we've also probably all worked for a company or people that have inspired you to just want to work hard for them. Yeah. And that's the difference between leadership and dictatorship. A dictatorship, you're told what to do and you're told to work hard. And in with leadership, you want to work hard. You choose what to do. You, It's your choice to put the extra mile in. And I think that's a key difference as a business owner. If you're having to stand there and crack the whip at every minute, then you're you're running a dictatorship. If you can walk away and people are 
performing at the same level or higher without you having to stand there and crack the whip, then you've got some real leadership ability and you're showing some real leadership skills. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait. You said something there. You want people on your team that can perform at an even higher level than yourself. How does that make any sense? <laughs> oh, Jamie, that's look, you you show that leadership and you give them the autonomy and you give them the if they know the mission and the purpose and the values and they know what the company's trying to achieve and they know how that they've got the framework to be able to do it, then why can't they perform at a higher level? They they might have skills that you don't in the area they might be your sales team or your operations team or them you know i work in a company there's way more skilled tradesmen than me they can perform at a, at a higher level than i can in their area of specialty so yes as a leader you can expect people to perform at a higher level especially in their role where their skill set is that's that Absolutely. that's one of the benefits of showing great leadership you know we, we've both been in those positions where we've 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 hired people we've fired people and, you know, it kind of went against the, the groove when I was bringing people on because I would purposely look for people that had much better skill sets than I did. I would bring people in that were absolute specialists in their field that, you know, they could really truly baffle me with bullshit if they wanted to, that in those areas, they were 10 times as good as me. And people would look at us like, well, aren't you worried about them stepping up? Aren't you worried about them coming in and taking your job or something silly like that? It was never a worry of mine. Because what does a leader do? A leader believes that they're there to lead. A leader steps up, provides that leadership that people really truly need. What was I able to do with those people who are much better in those areas? I was able to lead them towards that strategic goal, that strategic outcome, ultimately our mission, right? That was my job. My job wasn't to be in the trenches and doing all those tasks. As a matter of fact, if you, you know, call yourself a leader, and you're the one that's in those trenches doing all those tasks, I would suggest that maybe it's time to look at your role. Because if you're doing all those things, are you really being the leader? I get it, right? We want to lead by example. We've heard that over and over and over. Lead by example, right? It's, it's not over and above me to take out the garbage or to sweep the floor or anything like that. I've got no problem doing that, right? And I'll do it when it, when it needs to get done, right? But it's at the same time, not about making people feel like shit. I, I've had that in the past, right? The boss would come in. Right, and you'd know, you could tell by that look, and notice I used the term boss. That boss would come in, you could see by the look on their face, and they'd pick up that mop and they'd start doing it. And it was just like, oh my God, I totally screwed up. I don't do it from that perspective. If I see something that needs to get done and everyone's busy, everyone's you know right into the task that they have to do, there's no reason why I, as the leader, can't demonstrate some leadership. And you know what? Take that garbage out. Help out the team. Right. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the things that uh, Kerwin Ray, of course, one of our big mentors, one of the things that he always shared is that there is no one person on the team, including yourself, who is more important than the purpose or the mission. Now, that, that, that's the way I see it. Even before I knew that saying, even before I knew those words, something needed to be done. I would be more than willing to step up and absolutely do that, because in my world, the way I see it, that's what a leader does. A leader steps up. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. You're right. A leader does does step up, and you hit the nail on the head there. There's no one, including the leaders, more important than the mission. That's why it's absolutely critical as a leader, as a business owner, that you have all of that in place. That is the guiding force, your north star of the whole company. Whenever you need to times get tough or you're challenged, you're not sure how to get forward. Everything's busy and stretched. 
you've got your mission and your purpose there. It's your guiding star. You know, you can always fall back onto that as your center point and go, okay, well, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm heading. All right, we're still on target for the mission or no, let's realign because all of the stuff that's making me busy is not getting me towards my mission. So let's change that. It's one of the fundamental aspects of leadership is, or as a business owner, is having that guiding force, that direction, that principle, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that puts you in the right direction. Whether you're a football coach trying to win a premiership, whether you're uh, a team leader in a business and you're trying to, um, you know, be the best metal fabricator in the team, whatever it is, whatever your guiding, whatever your um, purpose is or ambition is, is absolutely critical because that'll keep you on track as a leader. I, I completely, absolutely, totally agree with that, right? Have that force in place, right? The big thing for us, both of you, know, you and I, we really share having that ultimate mission, right? The mission guides everything. The mission moves us forward as long as we're on mission and we're on purpose, working on purpose all the time, every time we achieve that ultimate outcome of what we're looking for. And that's exciting. Now, I want to jump into some leadership principles here because this really is you know, leadership 101. What are some of the things that we've got to look at? Um, I've had the great opportunity to be able to be exposed to two amazing gentlemen, uh, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Uh, just amazing guys. They wrote Extreme Ownership. And they also wrote The Dichotomy of Leadership. And I've you know, gone through these books numerous times here. I'm probably on my fourth or fifth or sixth listen of The Dichotomy of Leadership. And there were some really great things in their first book, Extreme Ownership. Um, you know, they really talked about what it meant to have extreme ownership, to take control of the situation, to recognize that you as the leader, um, and, and this is said in a really great way, it's your fault, right? It's your fault for something that goes right or something that goes wrong. It's your fault. But they mm. found that people were taking things really a little bit too far, right? They were owning everything. They were taking responsibility away from those people on the teams, and they quickly recognized they don't understand exactly what extreme ownership really meant. So what did they do? They figured out that, you know what, there's a dichotomy between all those things. And I took some of the chapters out of the book here, just some of, some of the, the topics here, because I really want to talk about it. And the first one that comes up is owning it all versus empowering others. Right? Extreme ownership talks about just taking it all on, recognizing that it's all your fault, right? The good, the bad, all of it, it's all your fault. But then we really talk about empowering others. If I'm the leader that's really, truly owning everything, I'm just, I'm owning it all, I'm doing it all, I'm micromanaging, right? Am I really being that best leader? What's your thoughts on that? And have you had that experience, man? Yeah, Jamie, I have. It's, you said something really, really critical there. Mm -hmm. Owning it all and versus uh, empowering others to, you know, when you own, when you own it all, and even in extreme ownership, the way that's written and, this is my interpretation. Owning it all says ultimately as the leader, it's your responsibility. You hired the person on the team. Mm -hmm. You you gave the instructions out. If they didn't follow them, you you set the task. You you gave them the skill set. If you put the wrong person in the wrong job, then okay, that's on you. You didn't make the mistake. You didn't not perform, or if you're in a fabrication, you're not you didn't actually weld the steel that was wrong. However, Ultimately, it's your responsibility. So you need to take ownership that you can't just shift the blame and say, well, well, that's his fault. Yeah, yep, look, that's on me. Okay, what can I do to rectify that? And I think that's the difference. It doesn't mean owning it all doesn't mean you micromanage. So that means you have to watch every every weld of every piece of steel to make sure that he welds it in the right spot because it's on you if it's wrong. It's on you to 
empower the team to be able to achieve the outcome, no matter what it is. If it's a, if you're in a construction business, it's building the house, or if you're a trade business or whatever it is, it's it's on you to make sure the team's empowered to mm-hmm. uphold the standards, to follow the mission. If if they're doing things that don't align, then it's on you to rectify that and to have the conversations to empower them to head in the right direction. It's not on to you to I watch over their shoulder and micromanage every action. That's not what it means. It means it's on you to shape the future. If they're the wrong person for the team in the wrong role, then that's on you to change. Yep. It's not on it's not on them. You can't blame them for being employed in the wrong role. That's on you. Yep. And then it's up to you to fix that too. So that's that was my interpretation of what it means is owning it all. Yes, it's on you ultimately, but it's on you to empower them to improve it yep. or change it. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's really even about taking it up to another level because when everyone on the team practices extreme ownership, when everyone mm. on the team, not just you as a leader, but when everyone recognizes, you know what, I own it all. It's all my fault, good or bad. When we all can recognize that, what are we mm. all going to do? We're all going to work like a well-oiled machine. We're going to learn, right, what's within our wheelhouse and what's not. I mean, yeah, my business, I'm responsible for it. But if something, um, you know, happens on, say, the accounting side or whatever, I'm not the person to come in and do that stuff, right? That's not my jam. I don't have those accounting skills. I don't have that, you know, that that, that accreditation. It's not my jam. I'm going to own the results. And if it costs taxes and stuff like that, I'm going to own that because maybe I didn't bring in the right person. Fortunately, I've got some amazing people on the team that do excellent work. They do some really great jobs. But what are we responsible for? Each and every one of us on the team is responsible for the success and for the unexpected outcomes, notice I didn't say failures, I said unexpected outcomes. Each and every one of us on the team is responsible for those successes and those unexpected outcomes. That's that's a big part of it. When we empower others, right? There's something that I train in my business development bootcamp, which I'll be running very soon again, but I train the idea of offline meetings, offline sessions. Well, you know, we get into it a lot more. We take a whole look at, you know, how to more effectively run daily meetings, weekly meetings and all that sort of stuff. But there's a part of it that's all about the offline meetings. And this is an area where when we have them and when we hold them appropriately, you as the leader, you have those people come in. It actually helps them to make decisions, make quality decisions that are in line with the purpose, with the mission, so that you as the actual business owner, you can actually begin to step back. Empowering your team is really about giving them those skills, providing them the, 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 the leeway to be able to answer the questions, to be able to make quality decisions. I teach it in a way that says, okay, great. If there's a challenge, if there's something that we can't solve within our daily meeting or our weekly meeting, what happens? We set an offline discussion for that. But here's the thing. You as the leader, it's not your responsibility to be coming up with the solutions and playing mom or playing dad. As a leader, what does a leader do? They help their team, guide their team to be able to make quality decisions, right? What happens in the in these offlines is that that person's going to come in, whoever the employee is, they're going to have three solutions in mind to that challenge. They're already going to have three solutions. No matter how wild, no matter how outlandish, they're going to bring three solutions into that discussion. From those three solutions, they're also going to provide me the one that they believe makes the most sense that'll move us faster forward towards our ultimate outcome. I'm just there, even though I'm the leader, I'm there to also moderate it, to make sure that it's making sense. If there's some things that don't really make sense, I might throw in some questions, but think about what happens to that person when they come in 
when they provide their solutions, when they're able to land on one that gets approved, if we want to call it that, and they can walk out of there. Number one, they're going to feel a hell of a lot better about themselves. If we're talking mm -hmm. Tony Robbins here, they're meeting some of those six needs. They're meeting that need of significance. Holy crap, I made a decision. I made a quality decision that was in line with the company, with the purpose, with the mission, all that sort of stuff. I'm feeling great about that. Right. Secondly, I'm getting some connection. Secondly, I, or thirdly, I've got some certainty surrounding it. I'm building in certainty. These are all human needs that must be met at some sort of level. When you can meet those needs at a high level or actually have your people meet their own needs at a high level so that you can step back and allow the business to run. That's how you really, truly know that you're growing. Thoughts on that, Mick? Yeah, Jamie, you are absolutely right. And as a leader, it's your job to coach, mentor, facilitate those discussions and guide them to the right direction. You could you could quite easily tell them what to do. But the key part of that is having that mission and purpose, that guiding principle so that everything gets judged against that. And you that is so empowering as a as an employee to go into those meetings where the, the, the boss or the leader sits there and listens to your ideas and you have some conversations or which one would you take on? Oh, I'd probably do this. All right, sweet. Let's run with that. Um, this is what, what do you need to, you know, and then the next part of that is what do you need to make that happen? Yeah. Yeah. You're there as a leader to make sure the your team performs at the highest level. You're there to give them the support, the resources, the skills that they need to perform at the highest level, not tell them what to do. Absolutely. If you need to tell them what to do, you're in a dictatorship. You're not in, you're not, no leadership. Right. And that brings us, that, that brought us right back to the beginning. That's why I brought that question out because that's it. Many leaders or people who believe they're leaders, they just want to tell people what to do. They're actually dictators. They're not leaders. Leaders is enabling your team and allowing your team to be able to make quality decisions. Your job as a leader, maybe one of your most important jobs, most impactful jobs is to be a mentor to really help train, to enable your people to make quality decisions. Because if it's always you, if it's got to be you that's making those decisions, guess what? When can you ever leave the business when you're the one that has to make all the decisions? When can you leave? Never. You've always yeah. got to be there. And when you're not, no one can decide anything. It's the biggest hamstring on any company. And if you're going to give somebody the position you need to also give them the responsibility sorry if you're going to give someone the responsibility for a position you need to give them the authority to make decisions also because if they have the responsibility but no authority they can't actually achieve anything that's so disempowering to be in that position where you're responsible for everything but you have no authority to, to decide anything yeah i've been in those situations right? i've Me been too. in those situations and whether it was a constraint on a spend limit or something along those lines. I've been in those situations where the decisions were sound, it made complete sense, but I had no autonomy, no authority to be able to make the decisions that needed to be made, even though it was my responsibility to ensure profitability of that particular business unit, mm -hmm. right? When you're handcuffing your people like that, and, and we might think, well, it's just a certain level of this or that or whatever, it's just, you know, it's my checks and balances. A leader reviews those those pieces, a leader is not afraid to optimize, right? Maximize and optimize those existing business processes to make sure that things are moving smoothly. A leader is open and receptive 
to feedback. What's your thoughts about that? Oh, absolutely, Jamie. I, I love feedback because feedback gives me the ability to improve. I love when people give me feedback because I take that on. I think about it. Sometimes it hurts um, and I'm human. Someone tells you that you're not performing or, or you haven't done a very good job on a certain thing. Hmm. Cuts a little deep, but I go away. I think about it and go, well, is this the truth? How much, what can I take from it? There might be some of it might be perception. Some of it might be true. There might be elements of truth in it, but I'd sit down and I reflect on it and I learn from it. What, what can I, what can I improve out of this? What can I do better? Okay. All right. I'll take that on board and I move forward because that, then I don't make that mistake again. I get to improve. So I absolutely love feedback. And I think open, honest feedback sessions are key to building a strong culture in a team. And as a leader, it's your job to, it's your duty, your right responsibility to provide feedback to others mm -hmm. from the heart. Yeah. And it's your job to take feedback on board when it's given to you. Absolutely. Look, you know, personality profiles, I'm not going to get into personality profiles in this call, but there's certain personality profiles out there. If you're using the disc type personality profile, it's the I, the interactive personality profile. I, I'm a high I, right? I talk faster. I use my, I use my hands and stuff and I'm a great big lover. I, I love connection. My biggest fear is actually losing that connection. And here's an opportunity for eyes to be able to improve, especially when you're a leader and it comes to feedback. Be willing to share the truth, right? We might think, oh, geez, you know, ah, I might hurt this person's feelings. So I have to, you know, sugarcoat it a little bit. Sugarcoating doesn't get you the results that you're looking for. Sometimes you've got to, all the time you've got to call it tight, right? What does calling it tight mean? Be truthful, be honest. Yeah, sure. Sometimes it might be like ripping off that bandaid. You know, you got all the hair on your arm, you grab that bandaid and you rip it off and it hurts and it might hurt a little bit, but what are you actually doing? You're putting the the business first. You're putting the ultimate purpose and you're putting the ultimate mission first. Because remember, no one person is more important than that, than that mission or that purpose. That's critical, critical, critical information out there. As a leader, yeah, we've got to give feedback and we've got to take feedback as well. Mm -hmm. Just because you're at the top, the top of the food chain, right, the top of the funnel or whatever it is, doesn't mean that you're infallible, meaning that, you know what, you probably make lots of mistakes. I know I make mistakes all the time. Right. Uh, perfect is the last thing I ever worry about. Perfect's the last thing that's ever on my look. If we were perfect, we'd have been on time today. That was my fault. Right. That's that's me owning it. That was my fault. I restarted the computer and it gave me some grief. But really, truly being able to accept that feedback from your team is going to help you grow as a leader as well. Leaders, leaders have to be flexible, flexible. Talk to me about that. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. Leaders do need to be flexible because situations come up where um, you need to bend and twist and move with the move with the times. You know, rigid things break, soft things melt. You know, you need to in stressful situations. If you're too soft, you go to water. You can't quite deliver, or, or if you're so rigid, then you end up snapping. You're too highly strung. You can't. You've got to be flexible in your approach, not in the outcome. Flexible in the way you deal with people because everybody's different. If you want to achieve the outcome, you need to be flexible in how you tackle that challenge. Absolutely. You might have a strict set of boundaries and you're in, a, you're in a management position and there's some guidelines that you can't go outside of, but inside of that, be flexible which way you go. 
because everybody's different. You might need to deal with one situation like this and then the next situation like that. You might need to uh, be a bit more forceful in this situation or you might need to be um, be coaching and mentoring over here on this situation. It, it depends on the situation, but you need to be flexible in your approach because there's no one-size-fits-all in leadership. It doesn't work. Some people like a pat on the back. Some people like public praise. Some people like don't like anything at all. But you've got to be flexible in how you do it. If you just be blanket and this is how I do it, then as a leader, you'll learn some hard lessons. Absolutely. Flexibility is key. Not everyone learns the same way. Not everyone communicates the same way. You're going to have to adapt your communication style. As a leader, you're going to really have to understand how your team, each of your team members, receives information. <laughs> it's like, what? You just tell them what to do and they do it. No, it's not like that. Some people are going to receive that information and they really need to, to be effective, to have effective communication. They need to receive that communication in a certain way. If I'm working with, say, uh, my, my my bookkeeper, my accountant or something like that, and I'm not trying to you know pigeonhole all accountants or, or bookkeepers <laughs> or anything like that, but really, honestly, highly detailed people, right? You will find that most bookkeepers, most accountants out there, they're very, they pay attention to detail. That is more like a C-type personality style. What do those people need? They need you to slow down the pace of information, right? So I'm going to slow down that pace. I'm going to allow that time for it to be able to sink in, right? High D's, high I's, uh, we talk a mile a minute, right? We have to change that communication style in order for that person to be able to receive that information in the way that they can actually make the biggest benefit. That's something that's really huge. And that's all about that flexibility. There is no one size fits all. You said it perfectly, Nick. There's no question about that whatsoever. A leader plans, a leader makes plans and sticks to them. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Jamie. As a leader, it's your responsibility to make plans. Mm -hmm. And we can all make plans mm -hmm. and not stick to them, and we go nowhere. But as a leader, it's your job to make plans, plans for the future, plans how the business is going to run. As a business, as a leader in a business, you mm -hmm. make plans on how your team's going to perform, make plans on how you can improve performance in certain areas. And, but then it's your responsibility to stick to those plans because if you don't don't stick to the plans and that um, undermines any of the momentum you're going to build because you'll you'll make plans you'll be heading in the right direction and if you don't stick to them you'll fall in a heap. Absolutely, plans are key. Right, it's also about getting micro to achieve the macro. Right, you've got to be willing to and, and please understand when I say this, I'm not talking about doing the work. But when we're doing the planning, you've got to be willing to get down into the weeds, right? Uh, if I were to say, okay, the plan this year is to be more successful. That's about as useless as tits on a board. I'm sorry, it is. That, that doesn't give us anything. What do we have to do? We have to break it down, chunk it down, chunk it down, chunk it down until we know the exact steps when we're taking it, how we're taking it, who's got to take it until we break it down, until we develop the plan, because that's really what this is. We're not going to be able to achieve those objectives, you know, as a, as, as a Tony Robbins coach, you know, having done thousands upon thousands of calls with clients, one of the things that they were most resistant to, and this is no joke, but it's actually breaking it down because it takes time. It takes effort to create a plan. Like that's some serious work. That's some really serious work. But I'll tell you what, when you take that time, when you actually invest the time to do that, to achieve your objective, know the plan, 
take action on the plan and then achieve that objective, it's all worth it in the end. Sure, it might be a lot of work up front. I'm not going to say it's easy, even though everything's simple, easy, and fun. Love you, Kerwin. But I'm not going to say it's necessarily easy up front, right? The, 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 um, the, the idea behind it is easy. The idea behind it is really simple, and you can have fun doing it. Putting in the work, though, it really, truly does take effort. And that's what separates those people who are, are really, truly successful, who've made the decision to make success their only option. They're willing to go into the weeds. They're willing to create the plan from each of those individual details and then achieve success based on that. Planning. I know planning is like a whole, God, we could do three, four, five, six, seven shows on planning just in itself. Yeah. Is there anything else to add on to that? I think, Jamie, only one thing I'd like to add is hmm? every successful business does planning. Yes. Some block out two or three days, yeah. you know, to spend a, a year and create a big annual plan with action steps and they schedule it all in. Some people do it more regularly. They do smaller planning sessions, break it down. But every successful business does planning. And your job as the leader is to facilitate and drive that and make that happen. Because if you don't have a detailed plan on how you're going to, if you want to launch a new product, what are all the things you've got to do? Yeah. You want to launch a new product this year? All the things I've got to do. I've got to do marketing. We've got to get sales out there. We've got to build a web page for it. We've got to do social media advertising. All of those things. How do you know you've got to do them? You can put it all in your head, but when you put it out on paper and you plan it, your team knows where you're going, what you're doing, what action steps. You can delegate tasks because it's all there in front of you to, to do, to deliver, to, to make happen. No successful business achieves success without planning. Ever. And that's the absolute truth. Plan to plan to achieve your success. I know what they say is failing to plan is planning to fail. We've heard that saying over and over and over. The thing is, as simple and as catchy as it is, it's absolutely the truth. If you're not willing to commit to the time, if you're not willing to lay out that plan of exactly what must be done, right? Not your shoulds, not those things that you should do. Uh, and, and this is another one. Turn your shoulds into musts. I'm sure we've all heard that by many different people as well. The truth is, was when we turn our shoulds into must, we must plan. We must set aside that time. We must break it down into the micro pieces to go ahead and achieve the macro results. That's when you actually get those results, right? That's really, really, really when you do it. Now, one of the other things that I, I'm sure we've heard, you've, you've heard this, you've gone through, of course, extreme ownership as well. The idea behind default aggressive. A leader is default aggressive. Let's talk about that. Default behaviors is a big, big, big topic. And if a leader's default behavior is aggressive, they've obviously had some some success with that behavior. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's reinforced that that's, an, that that's the correct or that's the most effective mechanism. You know, they might yell and scream and everyone jumps and they get action and they're like, mm. happy days, people are doing what I want. So that reinforces that behavior that that's acceptable or that's the most effective way. Um, and we all know or we've all been around people where their default is aggressive mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it wears thin. People yep. eventually leave. You don't, it doesn't work long-term. You yep. get short-term results, but you get long-term, um, long-term pain. Yep. Absolutely. Right. That, that's a great way to cause the extra stress. Now here's another spin that we can put on that, right? Aggressive. We, we, we hear aggressive, we think aggressive, and usually that's that boss, 
right? That shithead that's at the front of the room, he's yelling and screaming, you go to this. We typically think of that as aggressive, but what if we put a positive spin on the aggressive in that we engaged our teams fully? That every approach we took as a team was aggressive, not in a, in a negative manner, but in a very positive, that, okay, today, these are our tasks. We're going to do it. Is everyone with me? Let's go crush that day. Let's go take it on and make it happen. Now we can display that aggressiveness in a positive manner. And that's something that uh, uh, Jocko really gets into, right? Again, these guys, they're seals, right? They're, they're ex seals and all that. They, their, their mannerism is default aggressive, but it's not about being an ass while you're being aggressive. You can go and take those tasks on. You can go and do that work in an aggressive type manner, still get the results and still show that level of respect. This is a big one here, and I intentionally saved it for, for close to the end here because aggressiveness, aggressiveness, I'm going to say it, it gets shit done. Not aggressiveness angry, not aggressiveness yelling and being a tyrant. That's different. Mm -hmm. But aggressive in the fact that no matter what's coming up, procrastination ain't got nothing on me. Because the opposite of aggressive, the opposite of default aggressive is me sitting back in the chair saying, yeah, I'll get to it someday. Mm -hmm. Right. That's the opposite of default aggressive. So anything that we do, whether it's planning, whether it's taking action, when we approach everything from a positive default aggressive, we can actually get a lot more done. When you hear it explained like that, what's your thoughts, Mick? Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. I, I agree with you 100 percent on that. And when I hear it explained like that, it changes the meaning of the words and the way you uh, when we originally looked, I straight away, I thought aggressive behavior. And now for me, that language, the word that comes up is being assertive in everything you do, mm -hmm. being forward moving, let's get this shit done. Let's move, yes. let's progress, let's attack it. Not yeah. necessarily uh, as opposed to aggressive, but I love, I love the explanation. And that's exactly uh, what needs to happen. You need to attack your day, attack your challenges, move forward at them rather than let it come at you. And, and by default, aggressive behavior in a positive way, in an assertive and moving forward way, that's absolutely what needs to happen on a daily basis. You will achieve tons more, probably double what you normally do if you attack your day as opposed to let it come at you. I know we've all had those days where you've just all of a sudden you looked up and it was five o'clock and you don't actually know what you achieved and, you know, oh, Jesus, hell, time flew today. I don't actually know what I did. Yeah. And we've also had those days where we've bounced out of the room and gone, this was the best day ever. I crushed it. I got A, B and C done. You attacked your day and you got so much done. You were so fulfilled. And that's because you attacked your task, <clears throat> attacked your tasks and challenges. You got so much more done rather than let the day come at you from a defensive position. So absolutely, Jamie, that's exactly what needs to happen. No question about it. We touched on mentoring, right? A big, a big thing with leadership is mentoring. But here's something else, when to mentor, when to lead, when to train, and when to fire. Now that's a bit of a dichotomy, isn't it? Because hey, right, it's expensive to bring people on. It costs a ton of money. Think about it. Anyone that thinks, oh no, this is a hiring process, no big deal, you just get someone on. The training, the time, the effort, the cost of the ads to put it out there, bringing a person on, a team member on, is an expensive prospect. So of course what we wanna do is train and nurture and mentor. But when do we make the decision to cut ties? What's your thoughts about that? Look, that's that should be an easy decision. Mm. 
and it should almost be their decision because you've trained, mentored, given them the, the chance and the ability, you've put them in the right role. Um, and if you haven't got them in the right role and they're not performing, then that's on you. Mm-hmm. Um, putting an accountant in a marketing role, probably not the right role for them because they're a detailed person. They're not a big picture visionary type person that you might need in charge of a marketing department. Um, but having, it should be an easy decision by the time it comes time to fire because you've sat down, you've talked to them, you've said, hey, you're not performing in these areas. This is what needs improvement. You've met with them again in six, eight, 10, 12 weeks time and said, hey, look, this is where you're at. You're getting better, you're not getting better. You've had those conversations. That's the mentoring and the training. And if you're having, if you've come to three mentoring sessions and they're still in the same position, you need to be asking some questions. Are they in the right role? Or are they the wrong person? Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, are they in the wrong role or are they the, the wrong person? Yep. Well, look, here's an accountant in the marketing department. Do we have a role for him? Then you need to have the conversation. Look, you're in the wrong role. You're in a, your values align, you, your effort is there, but maybe this job is not for you. We have this other job, are you interested in that? Or what is it that you're passionate about? And then it's your responsibility to help them move. It might be that you help them move to a different business or it might be to a different role in your company because it's your job to see them succeed. And if it means they need to succeed at a different business, then it's your responsibility to do that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is where it's critical. Um, business owners, business operators, if you're listening right now, please take special note. This is where it's critical to really be documenting these these circumstances as well, right? Really get this down. This isn't about, you know, I'm gonna look for every single thing that's wrong with this person just so I have a list so that I can fire them. This isn't about that. But this is about documenting because it's going to tell you a couple of things. Most importantly, say you have that person on. Say maybe they are an accountant who's in a marketing position and they're not really getting it. Say that's the situation. But say one day you say that one thing, whatever it was, and all of a sudden it clicks. That person, they unleash their inner absolute marketing genius and they start absolutely crushing it. Wouldn't it make sense to be able to go back and look at those notes that you've taken, see those discussions that you've had and really begin to understand what it was that helped that person move forward? Now, yes, we're talking about this from maybe an HR perspective, something along those lines, human resources. But really, at this point, it's about documenting the processes. I bring this up because a great leader, a great leader believes in documentation. A great leader, they document, they look at what they've done, they debrief, they understand what went really well, they understand what went wrong. You know, we're, we're not always looking for the things that are wrong. If we look for the things that are wrong, we're going to get more of that. We'll get more things that are wrong. But instead, if we also look at the things that went really right and we break those down, we take the time to really debrief that and understand those three or four key pieces, those three or four key pieces of knowledge and lessons that we can pull out of it, Man, we get to grow. We get to grow as an amazing, incredible team. So I don't know. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about the documenting. Even if I don't do the best of jobs all the time for myself, it's important to have that person on your team that's able to capture, that's able to document and, you know, really set that up for success. Your thoughts on documentation, Mick? Yeah, Jamie, look, it's it is absolutely critically important that you document uh, and, and do a review process and document that review process because that gives you the ability as a leader for feedback, which we talked about earlier, which is absolutely key to making sure you're successful long-term. 
So if you don't document, then you've got nothing to review. You can't go back. So it's really important that you document your successes and and your learning opportunities or the things that don't go well or don't get the, the unexpected outcomes. So that way you have the ability to learn from them as well as learn what went well. If you deliver a project and you get record breaking profit on it, well, why did that happen? Yeah. It's not a not trying to pick it apart to it's trying to pick it apart to say, let's repeat that. What do we do on this job that we can repeat on every other job so that we get the same results? If you don't document, you learn, you lose the ability to be able to do that. That's the difference really truly between real successful leaders and those who are doing the whole fake it till you make it. Right? Be prepared to put in the work. Be prepared to get the documentation done. If it's not yourself, I mean, God, in this day and age, there's a myriad of different tools that you can utilize, rev.com, all those sorts of things. Pull out your phone, record the meeting, record the session, throw it up into rev. It will transcribe it for you. You can have that documentation right there. Right? There's tons of different pieces that we can do. It's not just about having a, a, a secretary type person recording all. You can do that. We've got the technology to do it. If you don't do it, you're missing out on an absolutely massive, massive opportunity, right? And what does a leader do? A leader finds the opportunities. If you want to know more about leadership, about business growth, about sales, if you've got any questions for our upcoming guests, we want to hear from you. Get those in. Send us a DM. Put us, you know, send a message on this post, whatever it is. We will do our absolute gold star best to get your questions answered live on Insiders Elite. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the JBJ Podcast. Look, if you want to take your business to the next level, if you want to dive in deep and get a full organizational effectiveness survey done with you and your team, go ahead, reach out to us. Send us an email at info, I-N-F-O, at uecoaching.com, and myself or one of my team will be sure to get back to you with the next steps to take. Until then, live your life, your business inspired.